0: Hey, Brian McCubbin. Howdy, everyone. Brad Brin. Hey, good night. And Mackenzie Stevens. Hey, hey, how's it going? Welcome back. On the show today, we get a little bit more info about the iRacing NASCAR console game. Ask, how do we know pros aren't cheating? And look at a heartfelt, well-thought-out reflection from a mature iRacing driver
1: that's right Mike and you can go to iracerslounge.com and select show notes and you'll be able to see all these great topics and um, hardware that we'll be talking about and go yeah just by visiting iracerslounge.com and selecting show notes so we'll see you there
2: with Myers on the iRacing console. He uh, talks about some of the vision regarding the console game. Uh, So what did you tell us, guys?
0: I think the big thing out of this article, um, especially with the accompanying video that we have about it, is really the the tidbit that they're looking at trying a different engine. They're not going to use Unreal or Unity or some of these other game and gamer engines that a lot of games are developed off of and so um that i think is the big one that a lot of you know the console community is looking at you know that they're looking to really do something custom and fresh
3: yes
1: i thought i saw something in there from um about a progressive system um so a progression system so maybe it'll be you'll be progressing through different series like kind of a, like a career mode would indicate
0: right uh here's a quote about that uh quote i think they want a fun experience in the sense that they want features and content inside of the game that go beyond the cup series other areas in the sport be it grassroots and then trucks and xfinity
2: i also remember some of the older games like even back before 2003 where you could actually upgrade your car and sign sponsorships based on your results Stuff like that that would that would add to the kind of role playing aspect almost of the of the game.
0: Here's a quote. Sorry, Brian, I was going to read one more quote about what I was mentioning. Um, He says, for example, the Monster Games code base was built upon the Unity engine, but Myers says iRacing is going in a different direction. "Quote." That's really what we've been doing right now is kind of more a technology assessment to get the code base to a place where we can make a triple a title like a nascar game
1: so uh there's a youtube video from real radman who is um who's big into the console version of uh, nascar games and of course he was uh, very disappointed with all the previous versions and um wasn't excited at first until he did hear about um about the change in the engine and i that really piqued his interest and is getting him excited for this game because he was worried about using the old engine that they were using before uh, going back to the monster games and all.
0: Well, and he mentioned that these game engines that a lot of different publishers use, they all have the same look and feel. Like when you're in the menu, setting up the game, you know, one player, two player, you know, career, single, single race, whatever. It has the same flow. And so, you know, with with iRacing, you know, doing something different or going in a different direction, you know, it's going to be, like I said, fresh.
4: What did you guys think about the uh, statement that he said in regards to, you know, not really going to be a true simulation, Um, you know, looking at the approach to uh, using gamepad versus a steering wheel? You know, I think a lot of people have probably tried to think of, if they're gonna do this, it's gonna be some sort of simulation, but it sounds like they're really gonna go for an arcade or SAPs or console version.
2: Well, that's market appropriate, right?
1: Yeah, I think you're right, Dave. I think I think they have to um, make it as accessible to as many people as possible, and by using by making it more console friendly or um, arcade style, I think they'll get more people interested in it. And you know, and then there's always racing for the the actual more sim version of it.
2: I mean, I don't, I'm not going to spend extra money for racing on console. If it's a little bit more arcadey, uh, it would, might tempt me to get a console. I don't know. Pro- probably not because I'd rather fly planes.
0: <laughs> you got to, you got to cater to the young kid with a controller that he's got to be able to keep the car on track. Okay. It's got to be arcadey enough to, that the casual fan can actually race it. You know, um, you know, I remember when I got my first NASCAR PC game, I don't remember exactly which one it was. And I was trying to run it with a keyboard and you, you couldn't drive the thing. It was so hard. You couldn't even like pull it off a pit road without spinning out.
2: One of the first ones I had had such had a, a fictional track on it that was real fun. I would love to see brought over here. It was like Ram Stadium kind of thing where the pits were actually on the outside and and then you raced on an inside short track. But it but it was a full pit lane. It wasn't just you go out into the track and go f- find your place in the dirt parking lot. You know, it was an actual concrete. Tr- I don't know if it was concrete or asphalt, but it was paved. And you, you'd exit out for the pit road. It was it was it was a fun track.
0: And that's something else that Radman in his video talked about was guys don't get your hopes up for too many features set because they really got to get the base game out. You know, first and and expect you know, like you said, fantasy tracks to be brought in, not on the first round, but maybe the next year round or something like that, or, or, you know, they add in the additional, uh, you know, dirt to Daytona, you know, kind of a thing to it. He doesn't feel like they're, he's, in, they're going to be able to pull all that off by the, you know, the 2025 release, uh, hopefully enough to have an immersive game that, uh, captures the, the people, but there's going to be a lot of room for growth, uh, with those features.
2: Well, we look forward to seeing it and talking about it. Uh, we'll see this next one, I think tops off my Pocono pit road incident. All right. Uh, it's pit road. It's a pit road trouble and it's probably inspired by Kyle Larson, but what's pitiful about this is it this isn't coming in too hot for green flag this is under caution and probably he was texting on while coming into the pit lane or something because under caution he just drives right into the barrels and then destroys about seven cars
0: well that looks like the car to the left of him kind of you know veers to the right and actually drives him into it doesn't even give him a lane to get on the pit road
2: yeah now upon further review you're correct he just kind of crowded him
0: You wonder if that's on purpose or not. It doesn't look like it was.
2: Well, um, that guy was down there the whole time. He didn't like gun it real quick and jump up there. So the question, and I don't think he probably got penalized. So it was probably still the guy on the outside's fault because you're supposed to get in in single file when you're coming into the pits. And he just stayed on the guy's outside all the way around the track.
0: But I got to admit, I'm one of those guys that's going to pull to the left of the bonehead who won't pull up to pit road because I want to I want to get three quarters of a car length on him getting on pit road because he's already given us uh, given up five car lengths ahead of us. And so I don't really have a problem with that. But, yeah, you can't run him into the barrels.
2: You can't pass. him. You can't pass. coming in the pit road, period. I don't care if he's too slow or not. You can't. This is what happens. That guy should probably, the guy on the inside, actually, now that you, that he, I see that he actually was passing, he should be spending a week off. Because that's way worse than, you know, supposedly stopping on pit on and causing a caution on person purpose when your car really just spun out. But bonus points to anybody who recognizes the track. It's Metallica. Can anybody name the title?
1: Damage Incorporated. That's right.
2: Mike, you are not transmitting. You're not. You're not even pushing.
0: Oh, sorry. Who all has hit the barrels? I know, David. You said you did at Pocono, but uh, no. I think I've hit them at Pocono.
2: Mine was not the barrels. Mine was was driving already on pit lane in Pocono. The scoreboard sticks out into pit road, and I was driving down the far right lane, looking away, and drove right into the pit pit wall where it sticks out for the for the scoreboard.
0: The pit road narrows.
2: Oh, it it's like a it's not really that it i mean yeah it narrows but just for that s- s- section for the pylon
4: i don't know i thought it was interesting because as soon as i saw the accident on sunday this is the first thing i thought about seeing this video earlier <laughs> it
0: remind me of that thing on sunday with kyle larson reminded me of kurt bush uh trying to win a championship and he's He's coming to pit road there at Homestead and the dang wheel comes off the car, but he still somehow gets it on the pit road. Same. All
2: right. Next up we have checking pros for cheating. What about this one, uh, Brad? Brad?
4: Yeah. So this is a little DJ DJ. And, um, you know, he talks about, I guess the, the thought of people cheating, um, you know, and then talks about how, uh, with our racing being more of a subscription-based, um, you know, we we somewhat prevent that from happening. I mean, we've all known that there's been, I guess, um, exploits that have been used um, through the years, but really kind of leans back on the subscription-based content in i racing to to kind of somewhat debunk or stop the the uh, the cheating ideas.
0: Um, there was a tidbit in there that I didn't really know. He mentioned. Uh, during the or after the coke race there's a group of people that actually look at um the uh driver inputs and the uh, telemetry I, I guess the telemetry the telemetry files of uh you know the some of the people in the coke race to kind of spot check stuff you know um and i didn't know that they actually do that but i i had heard before that they they do check the setups, like they'll, uh, they'll look at the setups that the guys are using as far as the springs and shocks, but I didn't really realize they're looking at the telemetry too.
4: That's interesting with the, you say looking at the setups, I'm not sure. I mean, if a setup is not, is outside of tolerance, then you wouldn't be able to,
0: to load it, would
4: you?
2: Every once in a while, there's something that shows up on a setup that'll do what it's not supposed to do.
0: Well, remember we had the monster truck scenario where all the cars had the uh, front end stuck way up in the air and the back way down. You know, just stuff like that, I think, is what they're referring to, you know.
5: So now I'm one of the newer guys on the service. Have there been uh, some some cheats or exploits in the past that have come out on, on iRacing?
0: I'd say no. I mean, we had the grass debacle where people were cooling their tires in the grass. And then you had the doing donuts before qualifying to heat up the tires, you know, but those are in game, you know, uh, you know, scenarios or riding the wall, you know, on an oval, you ride the wall in the, uh, along the turn, but nothing like, Oh, uh, we got this grip hacks.exe, you know, running in the background kind of thing. Now, later in the show, we're going to talk about something like that, but it's called a launch that comes with these pedals that we're going to be talking about. That's kind of controversial, but, uh, it's no big deal.
1: And of course they run the anti cheat programs. Um, so I'm sure that cuts down on, on weird stuff, but I'm really, I I thought that was really interesting too, Mike, when you were talking about them, um, looking at the telemetry, looking at the input data after the curve races, um, I, I, that's really interesting. And I just wonder what the, what they're looking for. What are they looking for in that data that would indicate some kind of cheating? Would it be some kind of, uh, you know, something that looks too perfect or that would indicate maybe some kind of uh, uh, AI or something. I don't know what they're, what they're looking for. Either
2: that or something that tells them the wheels, not doing what it's supposed to do or the cars, not doing what it's supposed to do based on the, wheel, what the wheels doing.
0: Could you, Compare, you know, inputs from lap to lap, and if they were exactly the same, you know, that would be like a red flag, or I don't know.
2: All right, what an appropriate title for the iRacers Lounge, but to talk about an insane sim lounge, uh, hit it up, Mike Mac. Mac.
3: Yeah, this is called Late Apex uh, Simulators, and it's uh, it's based in Barrie, Ontario. So um, yeah, they got quite a few. I think they, I think they have four or five sim setups here. Um, there's an entry level, advanced level, and an ultimate level. So, they they mostly run sim magic equipment. You got your entry level is a sim magic and alpha mini with the the P2000 pedals and a single 49 curb monitor. You go up to the advanced, they uh they give you the 15 newton meter one and triple 34s then you can go up to the ultimate it's a full motion with a 23 newton meter and either a vr headset or a single 49 inch curved
0: what a great opportunity to try vr if you've never done vr you know you want to try it before you buy it and especially a, a nice headset like that hey for 79 dollars uh, you get an hour on it you know Now, Greg said he lived about an hour and a half from this place.
3: Yeah, so do I. And I'm tempted to go try it just because I don't have a direct drive wheel. So I want to go and just see
0: how big of a difference it really is. They got a website, apexsim.ca.
2: We lit a second Canadian on the show?
0: (laughs)
4: Uh, I had to agree with Mike. It would be good for guys that maybe, you know, to say somebody coming from a Kind of like a Logitech wheel or somebody who's never used something that's correct drive or used a high-end set of pedals, uh, that'd be a great opportunity for someone to try something before you buy it. I mean, anybody, any of us that have been doing this for a long time, you know, new new hardware comes out and you, you almost have to kind of take a uh, almost a leap of faith when you buy it. Now, I mean, a lot of the, the YouTubers have got, to, you know, give good reviews and stuff, but still, you know, sometimes it's hard to throw a few thousand dollars down on something you've never touched.
5: Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, it uh, it is true. We don't get to try these things before we buy most of the time. And, you know, why not plunk down 50, 60, 70 bucks to see what you like? That way you know what you're going to get when you buy it.
0: Yeah. Nice little setup they got. Uh, We see these, you know, sprouting up all over the, you know, almost every week we we talk about a new one. So uh, I just hope that it's a long-term business, Uh, for whoever's investing in it i'm just afraid that it's going to sit empty you know if you don't get regulars that have money to spend uh, i don't know how you stay in business
3: they are also uh running a league night there so i wonder if that would help them keep business also get a few people interested in the league
0: yeah we talked about that with other ones i mean you got to do something to try to get people to repeat you know come in every week
2: what they may end up having to do is the same thing a lot of bowling alleys have to do. Uh, I remember, I don't remember where where it was. I think it was on actually a local podcast about where kind of where I live. Um, and the owner kind of had to realize that they're not in the bowling business, they're in the entertainment business. So now you go to most bowling alleys and you have, you have the arcade, you have... Um, basically almost like a Chuck E. Cheese's type situation in some of the really big ones. Uh, laser tag, a, ho- a whole lot of other things as well as the bowling alley, just all, all kind of mixed in. Uh, and, and that's no different than a train company not realizing that they're in the transportation business and and getting run out of business by, by truck companies.
0: Great idea. See, I, as a businessman, I would feel much better if I had these three SIM rigs mixed in with a couple bowling up uh, some bowling lanes and some video games and some food and pizza and beer and stuff where people are coming for other things besides the sims uh you know it's a great addition to something like that for sure
5: well you know i, I heard an interview uh at the uh, expo a guy by the name of adrian thompson at sim racing limited who who actually consults businesses who want to set these up and he said you know You have to approach this uh, from the standpoint of people want to race, but it's the social aspect of getting together with a group of friends and doing this instead of just sitting in your room by yourself. And he said that social aspect is what you got to promote to get people in.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because just like Mackenzie was saying, you know, it'd be cool to go check one of these places out. But, you know, if he goes there, it's going to be a one-time deal, right? You're not going to be going back every week. Um, it's just there to check some stuff out. So that's not like a, a repeat uh, customer base that that a company like this would really need.
2: It, you'd be in trouble if you turned something like Martinsville into a drinking game where you took a drink every caution.
0: 25 shots later.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. Actually,
2: that might speed the races up, because half the drivers would just pass out.
0: That's a title idea, 25 shots later.
3: Uh, Did anyone find if they use iRacing or what they actually use? I could not tell from what I explored on their website. Oh, I actually just found it. Yeah, they use iRacing. Okay. There's an FAQ asking if like multiple simulators are rented, if you can race against each other. And it says, yes, being a licensed partner with iRacing, we can host private lobbies. So,
2: Well, their name is so close to ours. We need to talk to them either about a cease and desist or maybe a partnership. One of the two.
0: Time to check in.
2: All right, the top ten highlights. uh, Didn't get to see them all, but I I caught the first one, which is a couple of prototypes battling at Spa, I believe, and they get side by side right at the right after a Rouge, going in going into that chicane that I can't remember what it's called, and stay side by side for the whole rest of the lap, pretty much.
0: Yeah, a few replays like that. Um, The next one, they even had a three wide at the line. Uh, crazy finish.
2: That was, yeah, was
1: Skippy's, yeah.
0: And then the Jeep, Toyota GR86 race, like you could throw a blanket over these 15 cars all in a pile here, you know, two, three wide, four deep, you know, but they're on a road course.
4: I think it's one of those, uh, you know, the GRs show you that you don't have to go fast to have good racing.
2: Oh, uh, uh, Did you see the truck finish at Martinsville? Yeah.
5: number five? Yep, I did. Yeah, that's at about the 4.15 mark. Uh, that looks like the, the Draftmaster race. You know, they're all like that. You just crashed at the end. But this guy went under a truck and won.
2: Under and, and between about 15 others.
0: I think these videos this are a good reminder to me that there's so many different ways of racing. You don't have to, you know, stick to one car. You can try new stuff. Uh, it gives me ideas. Hey, maybe I need to go try this.
2: John, if you're not in the game, get back in the game. That,
1: that truck race was a a road to pro too. It was, uh, you know, it meant stuff.
5: Yeah. So we got Bernard Pollard jr. And, uh, some of the listeners may know that Bernard's a former player in the national football league. Uh, he calls himself the Blackdale jr. And I guess he's been out for a while, and it shows a video that he put up on on his ex account, uh, trying to do a little soldering on his wheel, and and it sparked on him. And it, I think it scared him. You know, Bernard was a mean, tough guy when he played football, but the spark made him jump.
0: Well, though, if he's soldering, I think he's got uh, some kind of a dremel tool, yeah, the yeah the dreadful. Dreadful. It's a strip screw, he says. So he's trying to like figure out to cut off the st- uh, strip screw, and uh, yeah, you can tell he's he's got his uh, swimming goggles on, and he wraps a pool towel around him to keep the sparks off his skin.
2: But he has the swimming goggles above his eyes instead of
0: on. It looks like he has the semi cube uh, Pacto wheel, the one that the one wheel that semi cube sells.
4: Yeah, I just can't imagine taking a drum roll to the backside of my wheel. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's
0: crazy. Well, well, how do you strip the screw? That's what I wonder. Like you don't grab the right tool to, on your nice expensive wheel to get this done. Right.
4: A little too small, yeah. or a little too big. Yeah. I actually I just thought I can remember back to, I don't want to say it's probably the first set of fanatic or pedals I had with the set screws it ended up stripping a couple of those. And it took me like half a day to get one of them backed out. Cause I had stripped it
0: designs and different things. Like my cube controls wheel. I had a heck of a time getting the screws in because there's no, there's no room in there to get a tool. And so you just, you're twisting it like one one eighth of a turn at a time. And it just took forever. I think uh, Bernard Pollard, Junior is really good for iRacing. I mean, when he came on the scene and, you know, and got involved in sim racing, he was like diehard and really into it. And I'm sure that the people that follow him have learned a lot about, you know, the passion for racing.
1: Yeah and the cool thing about his story is like he he had no um, background watching racing or you know didn't know anything about it and you know he went from basically complete ignorance to you know like a really good follow and a really good advocate for i racing i know he, he worked with ally uh, i believe and as some kind of sponsorship too he he's
2: really really been involved well you mentioned that he hopped back for when it sparked uh but he definitely did not hop like Lawrence de did uh who pulled off the the Bathurst hop over the wall at the cane to take the lead in the race now here's a question does it not give you a penalty if you do that for cutting the course
3: yeah it, it's a yield penalty it makes him slow down
0: oh but did he so- get enough time where he could do the slow down and keep the win
3: it, the clip
2: stops, so you don't know. But boy, if you did, that would—I don't think know how that would fly. This has to be some kind of hosted thing where they—they they probably didn't care.
4: I was kind of surprised to see this because I thought that the after the last patch, when they made the changes to the grass and the sand, that this was pretty much eliminated. Hmm.
0: I haven't tried it since the changes, actually, but I've—I have tried to jump a car at Bathurst coming down the hill there. Uh, different cars. Yeah. One year I tried all the different cars to see which one I could land. And I'd landed a few of them, but this guy really did, you know, stick the landing.
1: Yeah. I remember Dave cam doing a video where he did this as well. It's pretty fun to watch. Might be very frustrating if you're the one getting passed up though.
2: All right. Well, what would you guys do if you were iRacing CEO? Choose cone. For sure let's get all of ours real quick before we talk about the next video i i, I agree with choose cone everybody pick one get rid of martinsville stage break uh, i will i will veto that one
0: <laughs> one stage break, <laughs> he's had break. There's
2: already too many costs we don't need 26 now of course at martinsville it'll just one of the yellows will count as a stage break Mac and John, and or John said one. I don't actually. Who said one? I think it's just me and Mike and and Brian so far. What do y'all got?
4: Um, if we could go back to the Gen Six cars when they had the track bar adjustment, that's the one thing I always wanted when we ran those cars. I missed the tape. In fact, yeah, you
0: mentioned that. that that's a CEO of NASCAR, not CEO of iRacing. True. Well, I do if like-
4: you remember, iRacing couldn't implement it um, because of something to do with the the way that the um, I guess the shocks or whatever it was back in
1: the day. The one that uh, I like on DJ EJ that I would agree with too, is um, to make some kind of um, for, for guys who might not want to do online stuff to make a better um, type of uh, progression type of
0: AI system. Well, they have something, but it, it's not kind of, cl- I would call it clunky. Right.
2: And I think most of that energy is going to go towards that game now. right? I, I don't know. The the AI probably should be a tool, but you don't have to turn iRacing into a game. You know, that's it's it's a multiplayer sim, unless you're doing time trials.
4: Well, yeah. I mean, I think that was the big uh, draw back in the day with iRacing was it was you're racing against other guys. I mean, for for those guys that have been around for gosh, 20, 20 plus years, I mean, back before we had high-speed internet, I mean, even with NASCAR 2 and 3, you know, you can do online, and it was very rough, um, so it was more AI-based, but as soon as, um, you know, internet high-speed internet came available, um, you know, like with NASCAR 2003, it was the, I have no desire whatsoever to race against the AI, not when I can race against real people. So
2: I kind of already opened it opened the book, Brian. It is a DJ EJ video that's that has five changes he would make and you already mentioned one. What were the other four?
1: Um trying to think. There was um there was a free version that he um he had in mind. I can't remember exactly how he planned it out, um, but it was very limited and it was meant to be like a um enticement to get people to uh sign up. Um One was a uh, one where at the end of a season, you can like you can like basically rent a car almost like if you wanted to start a season in a certain car that you don't own, you can run that season with that car. And at the end of the season, you can get it for free, basically something, something along those lines. It's an interesting, interesting uh, things that he came up with.
2: Digital Combat Simulator has something along those lines in that you can trial a plane for two weeks without
4: buying it. Yeah. That's what he compared it to it was exactly that. He also came up
5: uh, with the idea of, of, you know, racing getting more involved in transitioning people who do racing into actual racing, getting into real cars.
4: Yeah. He made the point about trying to get away from the eSports side of it. And then to, to move more guys, you know, into actual racing, um, I, I, don't don't ag- I don't agree
2: that they're not doing enough there when you see iRacing I on so many cars already that are winning. Well, yeah, he pointed that out. I mean, he, he referred
5: to that, but he said, you know, let's do more than sponsorships. Let's get iRacers into cars uh, driving the real thing.
2: Well, here's how you do that. Sponsorships. That, that's basically what gets drivers rides is, is money.
0: Like you win the Coke series, you get a late model ride or something like that.
1: Well, they did something like that with the Skip Barber series, but that was sponsored by Skip Barber because they have their own series and they have their own cars, you know, where the where the guys who won that were uh, were the well, grand prize was, you know, to run a season and the real Skippies.
4: Yeah, I think there's a, uh, what is it, Prodigy or something is doing that now. I've seen that, you know, they're doing... Where um, it's where you can qualify and then end up you know actually going
2: into a real car. especially as you get into the if you try to get into the national series, you just heard it if you listen to the the download with the Austin Hill interview how he had he basically left Toyota right because they the, us they had a sponsorship issue, and the team started started to tell them that they were going to have to bring more money to the table to keep having them drive for them. So that's, I mean, the drivers have to bring money
0: to the teams now to race for them instead of the other way around. So if I was CEO, I'd have a project that is stats AI, like I want chat GPT integrated with all the statistics in iRacing. I want to be able to ask a question like, how many starts have I had in NIS? Where am I at in the all-time win list on this particular series or track? How many wins have I had in the IndyCar? Just you know, just like I, I just phrase a question and it spits out an answer. You know, instead of having cool to would decipher that be the interface, if we had something like that,
2: that'd be way better than having to decide decipher that filter interface.
0: So I'm sure that you know they could put something like that together. I don't know how hard it would be, but it's doable in today's technology. I think Uh, that's a neat idea. The other thing I'm going to say is Donnie Spiker hasn't been here for a while, but what would he say? He wants a trophy room. Uh, He wins a race. He wants to see uh, something, uh, you know, a trophy room. Oh, here's the new trophy and here's my old ones and, uh, or a victory lane or, uh, you know, just something you know, at the end of these races that to recognize what's happened. And and I love that idea. I think it's great.
2: Another it's cool really thing would be another cool thing would be a, a TV or a, a team garage where you can have everybody log in 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 their paints and kind of put make it look like they're all in the car, you know, in the shop being worked on. Did we get all of his points? Pretty much. All right. Well that brings us to it's raining cars uh so john tell us a little bit about this one
5: yeah so this video is hilarious you got to watch this uh this guy and i i'm not sure what track it is but he's driving along and a uh, a car just falls out of the sky hits the ground like a grenade <laughs> and this guy didn't see it coming and caused a crash it's it's pretty funny that looks intentional it came,
0: it came straight down out of the sky so it must have been very high up it must have been launched
2: You know he meant to do that. He was gunning for that guy. I I couldn't
5: figure out how it happened, though. How did the guy get up there and come down like that?
2: Every once in a while, there's there's just kind of ghost glitches in the the code that are just really hard to find. And he probably got launched by finding one of those glitches. So He probably got launched in the air. No telling how long he was floating. And you can't exit the car when you're up there.
0: So if you're outside, you're at Talladega, and you roll off pit road, the first opening in the wall on the left is one of these launchers. And if you go slowly, like one to two mile an hour, and just kind of go over the edge of that, that uh, line in the wall, it will launch you straight up in the air, like, you know, 700 feet, 1000 feet up in the air seriously. And it'll just tumble, tumble, tumble and fall. So I've done it where I've been in hosted races at Talladega where I go into the launcher and I launch and it launches me way up. And I come down literally in the track as people are coming by. And then I would get a replay of the guy coming by and he's just driving along. And all of a sudden you look up and here comes, there's this truck spinning in the air, just falling down in front of you. That's great fun. Everyone should try it. Well, I know
2: what I'm doing tonight. Well, another thing that dropped was more car manuals. I, I I'm just really these were lined up perfectly, Brian, for the transitions, man. You couldn't have set them up better. We got the Formula V, we got the Vintage GT4, or Vantage GT4, Aston Martin, uh the McLaren GT4, the Porsche 718 GT4, and Audi RS3 LMS.
4: Yeah, so we got cars that have been out for quite a while, and all of a sudden, all of the manuals just drop. It's just kind of odd.
0: they got people working on them, you know?
4: I, I wouldn't... I don't know. You'd think this would be done before the car is released.
0: They're playing catch-up. Um, they only started doing manuals maybe a couple years ago, maybe not even that. And so this is catch-up mode. They're going back to all the cars and making the manuals, which is cool, you know, I, I, I think... They need to get them on all of them. And when you look at them, it's impressive.
4: Oh, there's tons of tons of information in there. It's good. Like I said, it's just, um, you've got all that information, I guess, when you, when you build the car, I don't would, I would, know, to me, they would go hand in hand.
5: Yeah, I'd previously looked at one for the Xfinity car. And, you know, if you want to work with setups and, and learn what all the adjustments do, I think these are must reads. They, they have, uh, Mike, you're right. They've done a great job with these.
0: They literally give a paragraph about each setup item in the in the setup in the garage, you know, camber, rebound, bumps, perch, uh, spring perch offset, and they describe what it does, how you adjust it, that kind of thing. So yeah, if you're trying to learn setups, this is absolutely uh, probably the 101 read, you know, you got to read this first. So I think you can find the manuals pinned on the forums of each uh, car. So every every car has its own forums, and I think they have them pinned at the top of those.
4: Yeah, they've also got – there is a manuals page on the website that you can get to as well. It has them all listed there. So, the next item we have up is the HPD
2: is coming back to official racing. It was posted by Greg West that it's going to be joining the GT Thrustmaster Challenge with the GT1s and GT2s. Great car. It was, it, it was always a little weird to drive, though, because it, it's still it's just always strange sitting in the wrong side of the cockpit.
0: Now, I think the car is a little faster than the GT1 and GT2, so is this a good matchup? for multi-class racing.
2: Well, you generally want the classes to be different speeds or, or you're going to run into a nightmare. If they're the same speed, you're going to get a lot of hard feelings over people fighting for position. That's not really position. We talk about it all the time, Brian, uh, and we have a new all time high in membership count
1: or active. Yeah. This, yeah, this is um, a post from Greg West and he's like, Hey man, it's uh, worth worth noting to everyone that iRacing has actually hit an all time high in active memberships in October, so uh, so it's still growing. It keeps growing and growing. Um, you know, we everybody knows they had that big spike during, uh, during the pandemic, but um, it's not really slowed down. So it's still rising. So that's awesome to hear for not just uh, iRacing, but the future of iRacing.
0: Um when I when I saw this like I was kind of thinking isn't every day an all-time high like aren't they always gaining active memberships or is it there a point where people are quitting faster than they're gaining and they're actually losing um, I'm that's what my question comes up
2: well what typically happens is a summer lull right so it does it probably does drop the active numbers drop in the summer and now that we're back in the fall it's coming back up
1: yeah and and we're all diehard, so we're buying one year memberships. There might be guys out there buying a couple months or something like that that go inactive on a regular basis, maybe,
0: yeah, the summer lull is a real thing, and uh you're right, this is probably just the you know it's picking up you know after summer, and that's what he's why you he said, oh, we're going back up again all time high.
4: did you guys get a chance to look at the it was a link to a uh website iRacingReports.com, com that has a lot of the participation. Did you guys get a chance to look at that? Yeah, I, I actually
5: did uh some really interesting things there. I mean, what would you guess is the number one driven car? A GT car.
4: Mazda it looks fun.
5: Yeah, I, I didn't I wouldn't have guessed that car, but that's what it was.
4: The the other staggering thing was the the amount of unique drivers that are on the roadside is dramatically higher than the oval side. Just absolutely shocking how much more.
0: It's global. Uh, Yeah, that's more Uh, of a global score. Yeah, we forget about that. It's global.
4: Yep, we stay in our cocoon over here in the U.S. and Canada for a couple of Um, guys. In the summers when
2: I'm doing a lot of road racing, um, being out of school, you get on in the morning and there's just, it's nothing but European drivers.
0: And it makes you wonder, do are they missing out on oval racing because they're not in America? You know, do we have something that they don't have? You know, uh, that's what I wonder.
2: We have. Uh, America's just will always have a slightly different psychology. I mean, it's, it's soccer. It's not football, you know, et cetera, et
0: cetera. Left side of the road instead of the right.
2: Or right no, or most left. of Europe, most of the Europe drives on the right. That's pretty much only Great Britain that drives on no the left. You cross into France and you have to switch to the other side.
0: Feet versus meters.
2: But, well, yeah, and and all of the metric stuff for sure. We were having a nice argument the other day about uh, with with um, some guy from Norway or Finland about how the Fahrenheit temperature scale is makes more sense for air temperatures when you're outside.
4: I've been an advocate for the metric system for years everything based off of tens and hundreds is so much easier except for temperature. Yeah,
1: so Celsius is just too narrow of a of a range when you're dealing with air temperatures, you know. You know, in Fahrenheit, you know, from 32 to 100 degrees is a big jump, but in Celsius it's it's more narrow. So it's it's a little trickier. Like 1 degree in Celsius is a lot more bigger difference than 1 degree in Fahrenheit.
2: Well, the next thing is not arguing over metric versus versus uh, Fahrenheit or, or Imperial, but uh, what we have, Mac, is a safe dile- driver dilemma, and it's an essay, so I didn't read it because I have to read enough essays at school, so hopefully you did.
3: Yeah, so uh, Paul Seely, he posted a very introspective essay about his iRacing status. So he says he's not super fast in official races, but he's safe and has, a, has good car control, so he finishes well. He's, uh, although he never wins, he, uh, so he gets into higher splits than his skill level because obviously his iRating goes up staying out of the wrecks. So he says he's using AI more and more because of the competency and quality of the racing. Um, yeah, so basically what he says is his I rating always stays just below 2000. Um, but he says the problem is his actual speed is probably somewhere around a 1700 I rating. So he says he just doesn't stand a chance of actually winning, but because he stays out of the racks and finishes well, still he's up in those higher splits.
0: You got a plan for him. Go run the 87 legends for a, for a season and lose a thousand i rating and then go racing
1: that's funny well he's a he's a road racer i know you're you're having fun mike but he's a road racer and he's like he's practice practicing a whole lot on some of these uh IMSA, for these emsa endurance races and he's just like I, I don't know why i'm doing all this practicing i just i just not fast enough for the splits i wind up being in because like he's, like like Mackenzie was saying he's he's getting good finishes but it's not because he's fast it's because he's safe and he's completing the races so he finds himself in situations where it's like I'm I keep I keep going in in splits that I can't win but you know and and he, it was yeah. very well thought out he's a he's an older guy and um, you know it, and he's just—he uh, still really enjoys I racing. Um, so it, it's road. it's really an interesting dilemma
2: he's in. I think he's a little wrong in saying that his irating is inflated because the road irating is, unless you catch a situation where you can really farm a track, the road irating is a lot more stable than the oval irating because you're just not you're not dealing with as many random factors that can affect whether you win or not. So generally, in most road courses, if you unless you get, get wrecked out, you're going to finish where your speed is going to get you. So yeah. um, he's just you're, you're, so, and more times than not, there's going to be somebody in it, in it faster than you, unless they get wrecked out. So I think. Uh, the road riding in a 1700 I rating in road is is faster than I think than a 1700 I rating in oval, at, at least from my yeah, experience on good. the sports car side.
4: Yeah, and I think yeah. the other thing I would say too is if he's running GT3s, I think he's probably running a car he probably doesn't need to run. Um, you know, if you're in a lower I rating, I'd probably stick with some of the, the other cars for you're, you're probably going to find the competition a little bit better um, to match with what you've
3: got. You know, that would be my suggestion to him as well. He does say that
0: he's. Go ahead, Mac.
3: He does say that he's pretty much always like in the bottom for qualifying. He only finishes or starts higher than the guys who don't qualify, but he says he uh, generally finishes near or just in the top ten. So if you're consistently getting a top ten finish, then your i rating would probably go up. But he just feels like he never actually has a chance to win because he's just not as fast as all the other guys.
0: I've been experimenting a bit with the open wheel ladder going up uh, from one open wheel car to another, trying to do some progression. And the question always was, is when do I move out of this car and go to the, the faster car? And I usually wait until I can win before I move to the next car up. And then if I move to the next car up and I'm struggling like this guy does, and I feel like I don't have a chance in the, in the world, guess what? I step back down to the, the slower car. And that's what I suggest for this guy is, is step out of the car you're in and, and go down a series.
1: Well, the one thing that he kind of, kind of makes a suggestion, which just won't work, unfortunately, is that, you know, if the splits were based on qualifying times or something like that, or practice times, and you just never could do that because people are going to tank. I mean, they already tank to get into lower splits, um, with just by doing, uh, by just tanking their eye range, So it's just while, while we would hope that everyone would give their best efforts and, and, you know, do their, do their very best all the time. There's, there's no doubt people would tank in order to, to get in the lower split.
0: So I don't know how this applies to road, but on oval, if you're not winning, join a team. Uh, you can go from being not a winner to being a winner by learning from others, uh, mentoring, coaching. Uh, I, there's so many examples on this team alone of people that were like that. And then they come in and they run with us and then they start running good and they start running better. Uh, I don't know if anybody on, on the show today is, has done that, but, um, but I have seen it.
1: Another thing, another option for him might be looking at leagues. Maybe uh, you could find a league where he's uh, paired a little bit better with with the, um, the participants.
0: You know, John, he says, I'm in my 50s like he's old. And, uh, you know, I hung up my, my helmet 10 years ago. And he's talking like he's too old to win. But here you are and me and some of these other old guys. I mean, it doesn't mean anything, does it?
5: doesn't mean a thing i wish i was a young guy like paul my god i'm 63 uh and and you're right you know paul find a team and get with some guys that have experience and for me just listening to you guys in the team chat i'm learning things that are making me better so yeah i think that's great advice and uh 50s doesn't mean a thing if you have fun keep going man
2: All right, Mike, you've got to be excited about this next item. You are not transmitting.
0: I guess I need to push the button. The WINS is back, as they call it. Uh, W-I-N-S, or Winter iRacing NASCAR Series, is back for 2023. We have the official announcement by Greg West. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be running this probably on Friday nights because we have the Winter League on Wednesday nights. But it runs the same uh, time frames as uh, regular NIS. So it's 87's uh, schedule. It's a 13 week schedule. Um, starts at Daytona, Phoenix, Darlington, Martinsville, Charlotte, Indy, Watkins Glen, Rockingham, Michigan, Wilkesboro, Dover, Talladega, and Homestead.
2: Now, is this It'll open or,
0: two, or fixed? two weeks prior to Daytona 500, I think. Is it open or fixed?
4: It's both. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited. These cars weren't
0: around once before. So, Well, look, all the regular oval NIS guys, this is what they're running in the off-season. So you're going to see the Garrett mains and the different people that uh, we, we normally see a Top Split running these things. And um, there's some heavy hitters in there. I guess I said this last week, but I'll say it again. I am so proud of my win at Talladega uh, last January in this series. Uh, the the heaviest hitters in the world in there, and I won the freaking ra- race. So, um, I want to back that up. <laughs> I want to run. I want to win it again.
2: All right, we got more events, Brad. Uh, Fuji eight hour.
4: Yeah. So November tenth and twelfth is going to be the uh, Fuji eight hours special event, put on by Coach Dave Academy. Their time slots. Are, shoot uh we, we
0: Friday
4: yeah november 10th through the 12th so friday saturday and then you know everything's gmt times so we got fuji international speedway looks like this is going to be all uh gt3s so should be a a very good and competitive event being all one glass
0: eight cars eight different cars
4: yeah, so they just ran the, uh, the real version of this, I guess, about a month ago, but that's, again, it's multi-class then. I watched a little bit of that, it was it was actually pretty interesting. Fuji's is a great track. It's a, it's a very fun track. And then we got one more back on the
2: other side of the world, the British Racing and Sports Club iRacing FF1600 Festival. And this is a new one. I don't think this was originally on the schedule, was it?
0: This is a late edition.
2: So, it's emulating the Formula Ford Festival that runs in real life using the same heat racing format.
0: Yeah, and it's a week later than the last one, the Fuji one, which was 10th, 11th, 12th. This one's 17th, 18th the following weekend. Brands hatch.
4: Yep, so you got the, uh, I guess they run 28 drivers at each heat, and then you end up with a last chance qualifier as well to get you down to 30 drivers. So, it's a pretty interesting. standing start uh, that Indy Brands uh, Brands Hatch Indy, which is a if I remember correctly. It's a it's a pretty small circuit, so it should be for some very exciting races. Yeah, the each
2: split is like fifty six cars, and it's the FF sixteen hundred vehicle, obviously.
4: So I was reading through the, the the forum post here, and I guess you know the way they run it. You know, I guess the the qualifiers will. The heats will take about ten minutes, but you can actually, you know, watch your other the other heat going on while you know while you're not running yours. So that would be kind of interesting as well. At least be able to see who you're going to race against. What Yeah, Yeah, with heat
2: racing, that's what happens. You they don't, they can't run the the heats simultaneously. So when you're not in the heat, you sit there.
0: That kind of always turned me off when I was doing the dirt racing and they were doing heat races. They have four or five of them. And, well, you, you're waiting for yours, and it might be like a 20-minute wait, you know, before you can get in the car, and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way.
2: I think if you try to run them at the same, same time, though, you lose a little bit of the realism because what changes is the track, right? And, and how often do they adjust the track between heats?
0: Right. Did the, the second heat run off the top, all the dirt off the top, and you have to run the bottom? Well, you have to watch it to see, right? podcast housekeeping leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out we do appreciate it check us out on our discord get involved in the conversation we had a listener over there uh, buying a computer asking us what he thought about different uh, you know computer parts and stuff so hey man we're happy to help you guys jump in there uh, check out the website iracerslounge.com and our merch site is iracerslounge.shop get some merch and we're on the uh, performance motorsports network
2: all right brian how did fantasy go at miami
1: Uh, Well, actually, the Tafosi team did pretty well, actually. Um, Silver Mustang 91 uh, took first place at Homestead um, this past weekend. But uh, McKenzie here finished second place. Good job. Um, Tyler Williamson finished third or tied for third. And uh, Tony Rochette was in ninth. So uh, good showing by our guys.
0: And in the points, David I mean, does team do du- have anything for Canadrian? I mean we're down to the last race here uh coming up at Phoenix. I mean it, it's a hundred or so I don't think you can catch him.
2: I think the answer is no on that one yeah not even if you took 25 shots.
0: Yeah, so in the in the
1: overall standings, Canadians is uh, holding on to his pretty solid lead over Team Duan. Uh NASCAR NASCAR Jedi's in third, Red Dog fourth, Iris and Mason is in fifth.
0: Yeah, looks we're like get uh, the merch for the winner.
1: Looks like Tyler Williamson is the top um, Tifosi driver, or or person in the overall standings in
0: ninth. So who picked Chris Bell? Yeah, I did. Really. I don't think I had him on my radar, to be honest.
2: Didn't he win to get in last year as well, but, but at Martinsville?
0: Yeah, he yeah. went at Martinsville last year. He's kind of the guy who comes through in a clutch, huh? Yeah,
2: well, pretty much Kyle Larson cost Ryan Blaney the race. Yeah. Kyle Larson cost his
4: own race too.
0: Well, he's already yeah. in the final four, right? No. Yeah.
4: yeah, I was gonna say it, it didn't matter to him whether he finished or not. I think last year, if I'm not mistaken, I think Bell won, what, the Roble to advance to the round of eight and then ended up winning Martinsville to advance to the round of four. That's right, yeah.
1: I think uh, you're going to look really hard at the the Gibbs guys this week. Um, Denny and Truex both had really bad races and almost basically had to win to get in at this point. So they're going to be throwing everything at Martinsville.
2: And. Brian blaney what's i' mean, I'm stealing from other podcasts, but so i'll I'll give credit I'm pretty sure this was uh was on junior's show um seventeen points down Ryan Blaney was last week he's now ten points up
1: yeah well, that's with two guys not finishing right <laughs> yeah yeah you got, and you got
4: Denny and and Martin that run very well in Martin Hill as well.
2: But he ran He ran a lot – I mean, he, he pulled a lot of stage points, though, too.
0: To me, this week's all about the Denny Hamlin show. Is he going to choke it like he always does, you know, when it comes down to it? This is his track. He can win here, you know? I mean, but uh, I don't know. I think in classic fashion, he's going to choke
1: I'm just not looking forward to nonstop coverage of the hail melon from last year. That was bad.
4: (laughs) Well, typical NASCAR fashion, you know, they make something illegal, but then they just use it like crazy to promote the sport. Exactly.
0: Was a, it was PRN. The performance radio network was using it to a fault. Like every average, every break in the race they would play that commercial and he, it, he makes the video game boom you know kind of scream yell you know radio call announcer as they called the hail melon uh they just played it over and over and over and over and drive me crazy
5: metro ford of chicago delivers to you whether you're looking for a new or used car we have over 160 vehicles in stock living large or strapped for cash. Good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy
4: financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit emetroford.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years.
2: Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Let's start talking some of that hardware software sponsored by Metro Ford of Chicago. And we're going to open up with the Thrustmaster eSwap XR Pro. That's a controller designed for racing. It's
0: got a wheel but, on it.
2: Yeah, this is uh,
5: speaking of video game move. Uh, you know, it's about time. Thrustmaster's eSwap XR Pro, it's a uh, it's a game controller that you can use on Xbox or PC, and it has a little attachment you put on so that one of the uh, one of the buttons on there can be turned into a steering wheel, mini steering wheel.
1: It's it would almost like work like an RC
2: controller at that point, a radio control car. Yep, and it replaces it replaces one of your thumb directional controllers.
4: You know, not being a, a console guy, is is this something like brand new? I mean, we, we've I can remember using pretty old radio control cars like thirty plus years ago and you you had the the wheel on there's no one ever thought about putting that on a controller until now
0: it would seem so cool it's got this interchangeable uh parts like you pull the little joystick out you stick the little wheel in uh pretty neat
2: the last the last innovation we had in the controllers for racing was an actual mechanical connection to a regular controller this guy actually just had this kind of jerry-rigged uh, connection. Y'all remember that one? I you know, do remember. Turn yeah. the thumb.
1: Well, I'm... Um, so... As far as high racing goes, you know we joke, uh, you know people joke around every once in a while about people driving driving like they're driving on a controller. but there are people who who might have physical issues where they can't use a full rig, and this would help, you know, if you don't have really good use of your of your legs, you know, and you want to race, this is not a bad option, yeah,
0: especially if you could, with uh, Carlos if you could get the
2: triggers. yeah, if you could get the triggers uh, analog as well with with some some enough force behind that it'd be really good for somebody who couldn't even who could barely even lift their arms up but could control their fingers.
0: Yeah, so I was saying that Carlos Fonseca was in the uh, top split today and and he's like a 4000 i rating on Ophel and he runs controller. Yeah, he has a disability.
4: Tip, tip race with Carlos years ago and he could outrun us with a controller.
0: <laughs> he can. I mean, he's really quick with it.
2: I think he has to be selective on the tracks that he runs, though, because there's some tracks where he he struggles with consistency. He'll he'll run some really fast laps, and then and then and something will go bad. And, and he just, but he generally is pretty good about picking it up. But he'll just he'll 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 get loose enough or tight enough that he just has to slow way down.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if this product would be good for Carlos. Um, you know, he's using, I, as far as I know, just a regular con- controller with this thing with a little wheel on it. Maybe it would be easier for him. I don't know
2: all right so we've covered Pimax issues in the past with the installation and we've got Boosted media asking if or we're asking i guess on our uh, he's asking or at least his his you know they put question marks all the time to try to draw you in as a clickbait and his header is Pimax crystal have they fixed it well have they brian this is this is your thing
1: So, yeah, so Will Will Ford did a review of the Primark Crystal when it first came out. He actually got a beta version of it before it was even released, and he could not recommend it. It was very frustrating because when he got it working, he was really happy with the visuals. He thought they were really, really good. Um, but the setup process, he had trouble. One problem after the next. He had to get in touch with um, their um, their support team, and they weren't. It was hard to get in touch with somebody. It took him forever to get it set up. So he he in his original um, review, he's like, I cannot recommend this based on that. So. Pimax reached out to him and said, "Hey, we're going to ship you a new, current version of it. Can you re-review it?" And he he was going to anyway. He said, but um, so he did, and uh, he actually did a live setup. So it was not like he did everything and then was commenting on it afterwards. He's like, so "You're going to get my live, you know, res- my li- my live reactions to installing this," and it went perfect. So. Couple of things that were uh, might have been different from this original setup. He used a different computer that never had any VR or anything set up like that. So I don't know if that made a difference, but for whatever reasons, he said uh, he he had no problem setting it up this time. So he was he was much happier with the experience um, from his original beta test.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, he he definitely was uh, laughing and happy and a, a lot uh, as he went through the process um, almost giddy to a point
1: yeah it was it was really well done i know um, some other people have had problems carl carl gosling he 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 put a really bad video out and his biggest thing was had to do with that as well um so yeah so i mean if, if they've gotten all the software and installation stuff uh, rectified then um yeah then this is looking like a really good option if you're into the vr vr uh field
2: We got another boosted video, uh, video, John. Yeah. So Will Ford
5: just kind of did about a 38, 39 minute overview of some of the Simagic products, um, just to kind of give a general idea of what they have. And, you know, it it was, it was not a deep dive into any one individual item, but he did some pedals, a wheel, a base, a shifter and things, uh, Now, here's what I found interesting about this, and this was news to me. I guess Boosted Media had not done a Simagic review in quite some time, and I wasn't aware of that. Uh, Apparently, maybe Will and uh, somebody at Simagic didn't get along too well, but apparently they've ironed that out, and and he's going to do some in-depth Simagic reviews down the road. But, yeah, this just gives you an overview of the Simagic ecosystem.
0: What you just bought into, didn't you?
5: Well, I did. Uh, I, the The pedals, I bought the, the P1000 hydraulic inverted. Now, there's a story on that that I, I know we may not have time to get into. I I've had them for a week. Haven't been able to use them yet, but um, that's because there was a part problem. But anyway, he seemed to think these pedals were okay. He didn't test the hydraulic version that I have, uh,
0: but I think he will down the road. And so more to come there. As far as the ecosystem, I mean, you got to stack it up to the competition. I mean, Fanatec, of course, has had the long, you know, long ecosystem that's been there for years and years. But as we've already talked about, hasn't really been updated a lot recently, uh, until recently. Um, then you have the these newcomers, you know, SimMagic, AceAttack. I'm really big on Asa Tech right now. I think they probably have the best ecosystem out of everybody uh, with all their, the, their new button box with interchangeable wheel rims and different things. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot to choose from and, and there's nothing wrong with Sim magic, according to Will Ford.
2: So you mentioned Fanatec. Their, no, their most up-to-date or up, upper end pedal is just the V3, right? And those are ancient
0: as far as right. when they were released. Nothing hydraulic, nothing high-end on the pedal side, right? I expect them to have a podium DD1, DD2 updates though, soon. Um, they'd be foolish not to.
2: Well, isn't the newest clubs sport literally the same strength as the DD1?
0: Exactly. So, I mean, who's going to buy the DD1 now? It's still for sale, um, but who's going to buy it? So that's what I'm saying. They need to reimagine it, redesign it, get a, a V2 thing going with the new QR and maybe an updated Newton meter, and maybe the DD2 gets even uh, you know stronger. Who knows?
2: Well, we're still talking Sim Magic pedals, uh, John, so why don't you hit this one as well? It's uh, looking into the haptic pedal support. Yeah, so and I know
5: we've talked about this before, but uh, the Sim Magic P1000s ha- uh, have – haptic support. You can buy uh, vibrating devices that go on each of the pedals, which I know Dave Cam's reviewed these. I think uh, Race Beyond Matter has reviewed these. And they're getting rave reviews. So anyway, on on the forums, uh, we had a guy, and I'm trying to look at his name here, Uh, Neil Neil Gardner. Yeah, Neil Gardner is throwing out there on the forums, hey, can we get iRacing support for these uh these haptic pedal reactors but i i think there is i racing support for these as at least on abs
0: yeah but that's it i think abs is the only thing they can pull really from telemetry to go to these shakers and i think what he's asking pull... for is are there other telemetry items that can be fed to these
2: if you have the software you can pull the tire slip you can you can pull everything that you could pull with with the base shaker
4: yeah, but I think what they're getting at is to use these really. You're I mean, having there's, there's software that's proprietary to SimMagic, but then you're having to run everything through SimHub. Um, and I guess the thought is that Tucker had David Tucker has maybe teased a possible to, to give him direct support, uh, for these titles as well. So you're not having to run it through a third party system,
0: kind of like he did with the LFE. Um, you know, or the where you could run out your base shaker natively in sim without, you know, simhub.
5: Well, I hope they do it. It'll help me. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Pretty cool.
2: Next up we have an Instagram post from McLaren, it looks like, or a McLaren will the Asher McLaren Sport SC. And the post is basically boasting that the McLaren Esports series are derived or the parts are derived from the original McLaren Arturo GT four steering wheel. And it basically says everything is the same as far as the size, diameter, grips, push buttons, and knobs. And the picture is basically the actual wheel in an actual car, I believe.
1: Isn't this the one
2: where the? I was going to say, is this the one where the uh, the
1: sim wheel can actually work in the McLaren?
2: Yeah. Not based. No, I don't think this is it. Uh, not based on what they're saying here, uh, that was a higher end wheel. On,
0: on a like, oh, that might have been one the Mercedes one from Cube Controls, Brian.
2: Gotcha. So this, this, this company has
0: arrived. Reason, I love the V three wheel they have. They have, and this is the one that I almost bought, but I bought the Cube Controls. But this was a very close second in the in the. I almost bought it, but it's eleven hundred pounds for the V three. But this wheel that they're advertising is their new McLaren version of that. And it's got the McLaren uh, branding. But as we've seen at the Sim Racing Expo, they have different versions of this wheel coming out. This is only the first version. There's going to even be, uh, I think, in quarter one, a, a version with a screen on it as well.
2: Well, and as it stands, I mean, I guess they're wanting it to be authentically what you would have in a GT4 car because since the GT4 is a car, a car that doesn't have as much that you can do in it, there's less buttons. But so I don't know if I would want this unless I'm collecting, you know, multiple rims for every car instead of just having a formula car. I don't think it has enough if you're going to run it as your road, as everything you do road.
0: The link we had to the landing page for pre-order was broke, but if you go to the home site, you can find it. Uh, it's starting as low as 799 euros for this wheel. So that's a pretty good value for that price. So
2: for comedic rigs, I will give the Maple rig to McKenzie.
3: Yeah. Um, Rucas Garage makes a Maplewood sim rig. Uh, the race kit, the RK1. So by the looks of it, it's just a, just a rig made out of all wood. And honestly, it actually looks pretty good. It's, uh, the seat, I'd say the seats lean back a little too far for me, but, um, it's got a spot for to mount your wheel. It looks adjustable there spot for your pedals. They also all look adjustable. Does it come with a complimentary bottle of syrup?
0: Uh, that it doesn't say. (laughs) what a what woodsman woodsmanship i guess you would say or woodworking i mean somebody who crafts stuff out of wood or makes cabinets and stuff i mean this is like uh that on steroids it looks all sanded down and smooth and no rough edges no splinters uh there's holes for adjustability like Mackenzie's saying um where you can adjust stuff up and down and for a wood rig uh it's pretty impressive,
2: I think the angle is a pretty standard g t angle. It's not really leaning back that far when you when you
3: when you really look at it and then you look at a regular seat. I also yeah. realized I think you can actually adjust the angle it's that too yeah, it looks like it has holes
5: <clears throat> I don't know if they're held by screws or or exactly what, but yeah, it looks like you can adjust the angle up or down for g t or formula.
2: Uh, to get whatever
5: angle you like on that.
2: Well, to go to f- formula, you have to actually change the seat itself. Because if you tried to switch that to it, formula, your knees would be up too high. Your, your knees would be, um, your, your your legs would be, w- like ahead of, higher than your forehead.
5: Well, you know, I, I and I had a question. You know, when I looked at this, I thought, okay, what seat? can you buy that would fit in this? I mean, it doesn't look like a standard uh, uh, kind of holder for a seat. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, do they sell those too? I think that
4: is
1: the seat. I think Yeah, that's probably. the seat. You just add cushioning. <laughs> yeah, you just add cushioning and stuff.
0: Now probably. Go to the website, and you'll see that he's got a fin- uh, actually wood finish for the, on the seat.
1: Yeah, like probably uh, a thin piece of plywood, uh, yeah. Now, this is, uh, this is um, CNC wood, so it's it's computer cut out, so it's not like uh, handmade. So it was probably designed on a on a CAD program, and just uh, the machine cut the wood for it. But still really cool. Uh, I, r- I really like this stuff. Although, Mike, you probably don't like that it's got the center post for the steering
0: wheel between your legs. <laughs> yeah, typical play sheet kind of look to it, yeah. They
4: have a uh, costless.
0: 575 U S you, you get the kit and you have to put it together, but all the wood is already cut out and everything. It says uh, the SIM racing cockpit was designed in newly New Zealand, but manufactured in Pennsylvania by ruckus garage.
2: So the issue with that, with the post being in the middle is that you can't really use three pedals. Once you do that, It's, it's almost impossible to get to a brake
0: pedal. Now, so this guy is actually cutting the wood and selling it as a package, but he got the kit or the, the blueprints from a different website, race dot store. And if you go there, you can actually buy the plans yourself. If you have the, you know, the, the right way to cut the wood, what kind of tool is that David, you said it was
1: i don't remember it's 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 just a cnc which means it's a computer right it just means the computer cuts out the wood with you know they probably have like a a blade in there that just moves around almost like a you know
0: cutting metal sheets the plans, uh cnc plans are 42 dollars if you buy them off the website
2: i never thought of a cnc uh, machine doing wood just like it does metal
1: yeah, I mean, they they do that in a lot of things. Like uh, I do, I do like uh, model wood kits, and those are usually CNC cut the 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 like uh, sprues and stuff like that.
4: You know, I think it would be something that would be kind of neat as a conversation piece in a corner. I just don't know how actual practical it is. You know, why not just go with an eighty twenty? twenty?
0: Who was uh, Dave Cam had a wood rig, didn't he? At one point. Yeah, I think he gave it away too. I forget that one. That one looked like it was, it was all wood, but it looked like an eighty twenty rig.
2: Well, Mike, were they so excited about this, this new formula wheel that they just couldn't spit it out?
0: On spit. I just love saying that. I I mean, this is my new favorite SIM company from Shanghai. Um, We got some nice pictures of the prototype wheel that they have at the SIM racing expo. And. And if you scroll down, you'll see the actual uh, unit that uh, Conspit puts in their Instagram. Um, It's going to hit the market soon, they said. It is a prototype. But, uh, boy, it looks great.
2: Yeah, sucker's loaded.
0: Uh, Look at the second picture on the top Instagram. It's got like a a, a bloody uh, toggle switch up on the top. I wonder what that's used for.
2: Well, you can so also like a, uh, use it for anything, but I don't know what it would
4: would be and by standard. I'm guessing it's like a funky switch, 7-way or
0: whatever. It looks like just uh, a up-down toggle, but um, I don't know. But it reminds so me th- of Kyle Larson's test at Indy. He said that there was some button on the back of the wheel that he accidentally touched, and he's like, we're going to get that moved up to the front.
2: So am I saying this right, that it does have the two sets of pedals, and, the, and it looks like the shifting pedals is one axis? Or pedals?
0: Yeah, look, yeah, they're kind of hooked together. Yeah, so let's jump right into this next one, which is the Conspit pedals CPP light. Man, these pedals are—I uh, I like the look of them. They have a purple, but you can get black, uh, just regular black. Mm-hmm. And then Dave Cam got a, a hold of them, and he's got a couple videos here. Now I mentioned this earlier in the show. These pedals have a launch uh, feature, so. You know how you're at a standing start in a road car and with certain wheels with the, the dual clutch, you can uh, set a bite point on the right one and nothing on the left. And so when the it goes from red, 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 green, you let go of the right paddle and it takes off. And then you gradually let go of the left paddle. Well, the, the pedals have that same thing built in as a button. So you map it to a button and you hit launch and the pedals just take off on their own. And so people in the community are already crying foul, this is cheating, but is it?
2: Yeah, now that I've heard you describe it, I'm gonna say no, because I do that in the GT4 or GT3 car or any of the road cars with with my dual clutch. I set the bite point. And I I rev the engine up and pull them both and then let go of one and so it's sitting right on the bite point and takes off without spinning and then and then I just come off the come off the clutch so if that's kind of sort of the function and it and it's something that's already available on a Formula wheel then it's not it's 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 an advantage that's already existed.
4: Yeah, but I don't think it is. I think there's some software driven into this as well. That's what he was alluding to. Um, so that's the concern there. That, and then you can use it on cars that would not have launch control. Well, you can if you put your
2: Formula wheel on, or you get the pedals that, that get analog pedals on an oval rim. You could do it with with an, with a stock car. If you use the bite point, but if, if there's some kind of software that's actually helping you move the throttle into certain places, that's cool. But all the all the dual clutch does on a on a on a Formula Rim is when you, if you pull both of them back and then let one of them go, it locks your clutch at a percentage, and you, you preset that percentage, so you can you basically are having your clutch set right at sixty because you know that where that's where the car is going to bite. So if it, if it does that. I, I say no. If it does something where it's actually assisting you with the throttle, that's definitely a different story.
0: Well, that's kind of what Dave Cam said. You have to set this up. You have to set the bite point. You have to manipulate the the settings and stuff to get it set up where it actually works right. So that's why he thinks it's not a cheat because you have to set it up like it's much like a dual clutch bite point thing. Um, but on the other hand, I'm thinking. Okay, so Dave Cam just pushes the button and it takes off. But in, in, with my formula wheel, I have to manipulate the, the paddles. I have to let the paddle go at the right time. I have to let this one go at the right time and I have to let it out gradually. So there's still some skill involved when you're using a formula wheel to do this. But with, hey, I got to push a button, I don't. there's no skill involved anymore. So it's kind of a gray area to me.
2: Well, it's, if it automatically moves the clutch for you after you're rolling, and does that and does that fade out, that that's definitely grayer. If it literally just gives you the bite point, it's 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 not because all you do on the Formula room is pull, release, and go, and then and you can pretty much once you're going, you can pretty well let go of the other one as well. You don't really have most of the cars. You don't have to be super careful letting the clutch completely off once you get going.
0: Now is it faster? Yes, Dave Cam did some testing with and without, and it definitely is quicker.
3: It's it's like two tenths of a second quicker.
4: Wow. Yeah he, some, yeah, he set up. Yeah, uh, he set up basically some uh, uh, sectors and then ran the same thing over and over again, and it was yeah it was point two four tenths of a second quicker, which is that's a lot. You're talking about in the first hundred meters or whatever.
2: Did he test it compared to dual a clutch or just doing it on your own?
4: Uh, I think he tested on dual clutch as well. Yeah, it oh, was right. against dual clutch.
2: Well, if, it, so, if it's doing better than dual clutch, that's a different story.
3: But he he does go on to say that iRacing is allowing it. So, um,
0: so do the other pe- pedal manufacturers need to jump on board to to make it equal? Um, do we need this on every set of pedals? Um, What do you think?
2: Well, it's all software, so they wouldn't have to really, they just have to program it, right? But that means another damn software you got to run.
0: As far as the pedals themselves, Dave Cam ran them in some races, top split, road. And he basically said, I didn't have any problems. I ran as fast as I usually do. I didn't even realize I had different pedals. It did take me a little bit to get used to it. um, But uh, he liked them. The rumble uh, motors, uh, not so much. I think he said he turned off the clutch completely. He said the throttle one was a little annoying, but the brake was kind of nice.
5: Yeah, Dave, you know, Dave Cam always says, I look at four things. Appearance, uh, the build, quality of the build, performance, and price. And he said this one passed all four categories. So I think this company is... You know, I'm like, Mike, I mean, th- this company's one to watch. They, they've they got some good products for the first run.
0: Yeah, it, you know, it looks like they're hopefully getting distrib- distribution set up uh, so you can actually buy these things.
2: All right, John, what does Sim Racing Corner tell us about the Bass Pro Active H Pattern shifter?
5: Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm one of these
2: guys. I've, I've
5: never used a shifter. Uh, but, yeah, they took a look at the Bass Pro Active H shifter. Um you know, didn't get didn't get a chance to to watch the whole video, so honestly, couldn't tell you that what they said about him. But decent looking unit.
4: Yeah, I watched the video, and um, you know, it's uh, it's more you know mechanical um, the way that it's set up. And they alluded to, and I I listened, and I really didn't get a good answer. But that I guess with the software, he said that. Well, actually, the shifter will not go into ear if you haven't... I thought he said disengage the clutch, but I think he might engage the clutch. Um, but like I said, I watched it. It looks interesting. It's not cheap. Uh, it's very noisy, um, as most of those really heavy mechanical ones are. But it can switch in between uh, sequential and H-pattern. Um, but yeah, like I said, I... I Maybe I need to go back and rewatch because I thought for certain that he said that the way the software was, that they, they would not engage if you missed the clutch.
0: Yeah, it's like, I forget the name. They call it like a gate or something, but yeah, it, it'll hold you from doing it. Like if you don't shift it right, like by, you know, like you said, use the clutch. Yeah, I mean, a real, real- that's what that's the name of it. H dog box.
2: And that would have to be set by software because some cars, some of the new, a lot of the newest cars, you can sh- slam shift.
0: Yeah. So there is a little uh, OLED screen on the unit where you easily switch between the H dog box, H sync, or sequential.
1: Yeah, I, I know he said it's, it's kind of loud, but I think that people who are running H-patterns, they want that heavy clunk when they're shifting gears. I think that's part of the experience. Um, so I wouldn't have a problem with that. I, I did go on the website. It's it's priced at just over $1,000. U.S. Um, they're actually out right now, so you'd have to be on a waiting list if you wanted to get this.
2: Pretty good chance somebody gets this. They already have D boxes or at least uh, butt kickers, so they're not going to care about noise. Oh yeah, one of the guys that bought a set or
5: bought this uh, shifter and did a review, somebody here in the USA said he thought the sound was actually a plus. He that's what he wanted to hear.
1: Yeah, they, they like the clunk. I like the clunk. I did a I did a race just uh, this past weekend. Uh, just a. Um, ai race but it was a road course with a car that used the h pattern it's so fun i still miss i still really like using the h pattern um it's it's it adds a whole a whole different element when you're doing road racing oh
4: absolutely you No, know, it's just it's, it's another element that you got to master as well
0: so the question i think for for some sim racers are do i need an h pattern do i run a car that uses an H pattern enough that I should have one or do I need a, just a sequential or do I need both or do I need one that does both? I think that's really the, the big question.
4: Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, when I came back after, you know, being gone for seven years, you know, I had a, a Fanatec club sport shifter and I bought another one just because you can switch back and forth pretty easy. Um, and it's, you know, for an expense size, it's not as expensive as some of these are, but then you at least get both the sequential um, and the H pattern out of it as well. So, now,
5: Brad, when, so with your shifter, I mean, do you typically use that uh, even asphalt oval races, or is that just a road course thing?
4: Asphalt. as um, The way that I've always been is I will try to mimic... Whatever the real world is, so if it's a H pattern, I'll do that. If a sequential or if it's paddle, um, you know, it's it's. I wanted to keep it as realistic as possible. Never I did too
2: gonna... until mine kept going into the wrong gear, and then I just left it in sequential mode indefinitely.
4: Yeah, I mean that can happen, but again, I've always you know as somebody who raced before in real life. I, I wanted it as real as possible.
1: I did the opposite of David. I um, it, when I when I put it in the when I put it in sequential, it worked, and when I went back to H, it stopped working. So I just kept it in H when I got that fixed, and just used the paddle shifters for now until I get something that mimics the uh, the sequential.
0: So, in the interest of time, let's jump to the last story, David, because it's related. We have the bazooka shifter from BDH. Lawrence Dussoswa reviews the BDH H pattern shifter. This is the one, Brian, you've been drooling over forever and, and wishing they had a sequential and H pattern combo unit, but they have yet to do it. Now, I actually commented on the video saying, man, we really like to see a sequential version of this thing, and BDH actually replied uh, to my comment and said, coming soon.
1: Yeah, I, I was actually aware of that um, that they were working on one. It's been on their Facebook page for a little while, um, but I mean, it's it's been almost a year since I've seen that um, on that on there. So it's been a while since they've been working on it and. Even if you want to just the H-pattern shifter, that's another one that's a difficult to get because they don't mass-produce them like, like some of the bigger companies. They're, they're like hand-building these things, so they run out pretty quick because they're really high demand. Um, they're really, really well-made, and you know if you want a, a realistic-feeling um, H-pattern shifter, this is probably as good as it gets.
0: 965 euros at PureSims.com is what it sells for. You can get the uh, gear knob in white or black.
4: Yeah, I mean, it looks like a great product. I mean, for some, that's going to come as close to, to trying to simulate, you know, an actual, yeah. um, you know, H-pattern shifter. I think it's great. Um, the, the downside is the more, you know, race cars continue to, to get away from H-patterns.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And that's why I'm w i am I was holding out for a sequential version of it or a or a combination version. Um but Lawrence's um review was a lot like Dave Cam's review. Dave reviewed this a while ago and he just he, they both just liked it. Just really loved it, thought it was great. You know, again. It's whether how long it's gonna be
0: relevant. You know, and he was like if he, you know, it's a it's one of the highest quality shifters that you can buy. And, you know, does he recommend buying it? And he's like, well, if it was my own money, no, because I, you know, I'm not rich, but you know, if you're not worried about these kind of things, yeah, this is the one to get, you know? Let's talk results. Friday open, NIS at Homestead. I was actually wrecked out early. Lap three, they wreck in front of me. I go to miss it, I get ran over from behind, shoved down to the inside wall, five, din- five minutes damage. Um, after the green flag, I get run into uh, another guy who gets wrecked. I can't slow down in time and plow him. 40 minutes required, just a horrible race. David, P4.
2: Yeah, I finally had a good long run. Uh, the only one in a while, <laughs> especially after, well, I guess yesterday wasn't too bad. But um, yeah, P4, long run near the end gave me a lot of track position. I was hanging usually usually around 10th. And we had one of those long runs. I I can't remember if there was a green flag stop in there or not. But I was able to get all the way up to fourth or third, I think. Um, and then there was a caution at with 10 to go and and two short runs because at that point everybody was just going nuts in the back that I was just able to keep keep control on the restarts probably because I was p4 instead of p3 and was a little better on the outside there in the short run
0: Tony Rochette p22 was just meh. moving on to Sunday open David P10
2: yeah and I should, probably should have done better on this one I know uh Tom was in the race as well I uh I don't think he put his Resulted though, which means you probably was not happy with it. I actually, in the first green flag run, overcorrected, put it in the wall, and caused a little bit of wheel damage. Uh, but just had to keep going. Didn't bring the caution out. Um, the caution does come out though, right before the window is over. Was able to get most of the damage fixed, and I saved fuel and stretched it out at, to still come in tenth with with a pretty heavily damaged car.
0: Alright, Tony Rochette, p six. don't remember much from this one, but think it was okay. did end up finding a groove that I liked hugging that bottom. John, p sixteen. yeah, I started
5: twenty fourth. Uh, I mean, I you know the setup was good, had consistent laps. N- you know no trouble at all, but man, we had some guys in that in that race that were just super fast. Uh, and I just couldn't pick up any more than p sixteen. I wasn't happy, but hey, you stay out of
2: trouble, that's okay.
0: Right, then we move on to Wednesday open at Cautionville or Martinsville. I mean, I got a P7. Yeah, it's right first time. <laughs> <laughs> a P7, wow, I'll take it. After getting wrecked with about three minutes damage early, um, I could barely drive it at some point. I got some repairs done. David, you actually convinced me to stay on track and stay in the race. I was about to bail. I was like, I can't even drive this thing. But I stayed in it, I kept it on track. I got up to 24 incidents, um, one away from the DQ, but um, brought it home P7. Right there, David, on those last restarts, you were telling me, man, get in the back and stay back a half lap so you don't get that last incident point and and, uh, finish. I actually decided against that to stay in the mix, and I'm kind of glad I did, because I brought it up from like a 15th up to 7th with uh, other people wrecking out, uh, 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 like you and some others.
2: Yeah, um, you got lucky. Is how, is how like I said it was a gamble. I just told you it's this or that. You know, it's it's a risk. Um, I was running P P3 and was doing. You know, I did everything right. I, I was only at like four X at that at that point, maybe eight X. Um And we were gonna try to like literally do no pitting, but we had a long run somewhere in the middle where some fresh tires were actually blowing by us pretty easy. So at that point, it was pretty evident that you did need. Tires after they got like 80 laps old or so. So we, didn't, we ended up turning it into about a two stop race. Um, it's P3, and I'm on one of the green white checkers. Uh, the guy in fourth cuts down right in front of Justin, and he technically was clear when he made the move, but he literally cuts down in front of him and slams on the brake at the same time. No chance for Justin to react. Punts him into me. Boom. And I'm just, I'm just, uh, I didn't get X'd. I, I get, I didn't get in too bad of shape, but I'm all the way in the back at that point. And so I'm not getting the track position back because it's green, white checkered. And on the next one, I over, I over break it and get loose and get into somebody um, who was one of your favorite guys, Mike. <laughs> so P14, after having a good run, it just got, you know, nothing I could do. He just, the guy made a stupid bonehead move.
0: Yep, and uh, Justin, obviously, um, he got wrecked in that second green-white checker uh, tangling with that same guy. So uh, that was a couple spots I picked up as well, So, uh, but Chris was also in our race. There were a bunch of us in there. Chris got a P5. He raced in the back most of the race. He had 12X for most of the race and raced safely with 16X p5 never felt so good broke the 2700 ir mark for my personal high and and then we had uh, tony p13 oh this race i don't think i've ever been i've been in a ton of absolute shit shows on the sim 32 cautions two and a half hours of just absolute trash i was everywhere top five bottom five middle five wrecked several times was clinging on to that one last x for not the last 90 or so laps trying to get back on the lead lap which i eventually did on the second green white checker i stayed in to at least get some much needed points for the quest of the top 15 in division three i'm one and done with this bs would rather listen to david hall read some more taylor swift lyric under caution than run that atrocity again
2: oh i'm glad he put that in there i was going to mention it but he brought it up yeah, I came in knowing it's going to be a shit show. And it's now a tradition at Martinsville to pick some random lyrics. And, and, and somebody made some kind of Swifty joke at some point. So I pulled up Blake Space and was reading that as we're all just under caution constantly. It was funny.
0: Now, I think the, the only one that picked up that it was Taylor Swift was our friend Tom Dryling. He must be a Swifty. I, I won't deny it.
2: Um, I generally prefer her songs done as metal covers though, by somebody like Frog Leap Studios or I Prevail, but she writes good melodies and, and, and good lyrics and, and they make really good metal songs.
0: Yeah, speaking of Tom Dreiling, we don't have his results, but he was in a split above us, top split. He got DQ'd out with like 50 to go. So he didn't uh, did not finish. John P11.
5: Yeah, so you know, I would echo Tony's comments on this. And yes, the Taylor Swift lyrics were better than the race. But I I finished P11, uh, which to me at Martinsville, if you can do P11, that's great. And I did the same thing that you did. I had 24x, but I was in the team chat when you were dealing with the same issue of 24 x and so I, I went with david's suggestion and i just hung in the back so i could finish it uh that probably cost me a top 10 but i'm happy with an 11 at martinsville
0: yeah i could go either way like david said it's a matter of the luck luck of the draw if you get caught up uh as far as points go you know tom's got it wrapped up i mean he he's 200 ahead of me I'm 160 ahead of third. So I think we've pretty much settled into our spots. As long as everyone gets a start and a finish, we're gonna finish where we're at. Thursday open, I ran top split, P8. It was a typical shit show. I had 16 incidents actually before halfway. I ended up getting the drive-through and then finally got a lucky dog to get back on the lead lap with about 20 to go. Worked my way back up to finish eight, another great top 10. So the eighth today in top split was one championship point less than the top seven I got last night. So uh, I didn't gain any more points, Mackenzie. I couldn't hear you in team speak in uh, Discord, but you ran and you got a great P two. Yeah,
3: um, this is actually my first time running Martinsville. I literally just bought the track, didn't even run any practice. So when I uh, did the qualifying and it, I was third, I was pretty surprised. But um, Yeah, I ran really well. I started third, obviously. Uh, I got spun pretty early. Didn't really get any, got a bit of damage, it told me, but it didn't seem to affect the car. Stayed on the lead lap, ran 15th for a while, made my way up to probably eighth. And then all the leaders pitted around like lap 50, but I figured there was no point. So I uh, just ended up taking the lead, led for 79 laps. Got screwed on a car coming out of the pits. I had to go up high and lost a bunch of, bunch of speed and dropped to like third. Ended up pitting for fuel and figured I may as well take all four tires around lap 20. I was uh, I was around eighth after that, worked my way up to fourth, and then the green-white checker. Uh, we were coming around to the finish line, second and third took each other out, so I ended up passing both of them and getting second.
0: It's crazy, your first Martinsville race and you get second. <laughs> so what do you think uh the martinsville the heavy breaking into the corner uh it's, it's difficult huh
3: yeah it's it's definitely difficult i like it a lot uh actually so i just moved not long ago and i ended up breaking the cord on my logitech pedals so i ended up buying the the simjack pros the like the cheap ones from china or whatever and the difference from them just to from the logitech pedals are crazy like i found it way easier to actually be able to break coming into the corner. So I think those definitely helped me a lot.
0: Nice run. Other official I ran, I was trying to run Draft my Masters because John kept talking me into it, but I ended up actually registering for the 87 Legends race, which was a much longer race accidentally, but I ran it it was at Talladega. I actually ran top five all day. There were several cautions. Uh, I was leading at some point uh was leading at the end uh on the white and they were three wide and the middle guy came down and uh wrecked us all and i ended up p 20 but i thought i was uh gonna get my 98th career win this week uh, i was yeah like i said leading on the bottom on the white i was in position if that guy wouldn't have screwed up i probably would have got it all right john you have draftmeister
5: Yeah. You know, I'll sum it up this way. I've done a lot of draft masters lately and I either finish high or get wrecked out and finish low. I will tell you the last five days, my safety rating has plummeted because of that. So uh, I'm going to stay out of those for a while. It's, it's just a mess.
0: McKenzie, you had one.
3: Yeah. I ran, I ran one just to wanted to run a race to test out those new pedals. Um, I started 16th, ended up P9. Not much happened, honestly, in that race. Bunch of people just not really, just pushing for the win on lap one. Um, at the end, I, I think I was probably P5 or six, and we, they just ended up going everywhere. So I got pushing the wall, ended up ninth, but yeah, I lost a bunch of I rating and a bunch of safety rating on that. They're fun to run, but I don't love the trucks at Talladega,
0: so. All right, let's jump to final thoughts. David Hall.
2: Marching season over. Uh, Still, I got a gig next week. So in fact, Thursday, I won't be on next week's show because I'll be playing uh, a dress rehearsal for the Music Man, playing four instruments for him. Um, That's always fun since we uh, have no problem sharing a little bit of the personal world, I'm still fighting the acid reflux thing. That's that was what's been causing my cough for the last probably year and a half or so. Uh, I have silent reflux, so I don't really get heartburn as much as just makes my throat itch, especially, uh, when I'm working out and I lay down on the bench and that get let the acid rush back up into my throat. Um, currently on medicine, but it's looking like the medicine's not doing a great job, so it'll probably be a surgery down down the road. We'll see here in about three months.
0: Okay. Ryan McCubbin, final thoughts?
2: Um, Have you guys been able to hear me okay
1: today? Yeah. All not right, a sing, Not a single splotch Guess what, this is brought to you by Starlink Satellite Internet So uh, I got my satellite last weekend Set it up right away um, And it's been working fantastic Compared, Especially compared to what I had So I'm on it right now um, Everything's worked really good For the show um, I've done some uh, races And had no issues at all My, um, my ping never really Bumps up at, at all It doesn't spike at all so it stays right on the on the bottom lowest level so it's it's working fantastic right now so um i'm really excited to get this part of my eye racing headache hopefully um out of the way and uh move on to better things
2: the big question will be how does how do storms affect it because i have heard yeah from another guy that that he had some has some trouble when the storms hit
1: Well, we'll find out. We haven't had any really bad weather since then. We've had some rain and stuff and had no issues at all. Um, Some of the reviews I've seen said, you know, they didn't have any. This one guy who lives like out in the tundra, he's like in the middle of nowhere. And it's like snows, snows all the time. He says he, he hardly ever loses anything. So we'll see. We'll play it by ear. But so far, you know, overcast and rain has not affected it one bit.
2: Did you, did you get a message from them, or did you check it into it when once I saw the post and, and sent it to me? I have been
1: checking it periodically. I hadn't checked it in a few months, and then I saw your post and looked it up, and sure enough, it said it's good to go into my area, so I signed up right away.
2: All going
0: right, have internet to race. Brad Redd, just final thought.
2: Just need Sorry, we just need to tell the FFA to get out of their way with the Starship.
4: Uh, just excited should have my wheelbase back by uh, Monday and hopefully everything's good with that and uh, haven't been able to, to get on the sim in close to three weeks so just ready to to get back to racing
0: right very good John Curley your final thought
5: well first David uh, good luck with the surgery hope things go well there and uh, Brian, glad you got your internet going uh, I, order, I ordered my uh, irish lounge uh, polo shirt today so i can't wait to get that so i can can wear that and show it off other than that again just i'm just gonna keep racing
0: <laughs> all right get your merch Mackenzie stevens final thought
3: yeah it's good to finally be back uh felt really good to get a second place finish there today and the first nis race in probably about three months now so hopefully i can get a few am probably going to run tomorrow night now after that one. So hopefully I can do well there and yeah.
0: Yeah. You need to back up that second and get you a win while you're hot. So do it. Yeah. That, uh, that'll be when I, oh, go ahead. I was
3: going to say, that'll be when I go in confident and just get wrecked out in lap five or something.
0: Yeah. You, you're at the mercy of other people at Martinsville. That's for sure. Uh, boy, I was happy to have a good finish, a top 10 at Martinsville this week after a crappy, crappy couple of weeks where I just couldn't get a good finish. Uh, Homestead was just horrible for me, so I'm really happy that I'm doing good. You know, as I drive Martinsville today, I'm thinking about brakes. Man, I wouldn't be running as good as I am without those hydraulic brakes. They really do make a difference at Martinsville. and um, so happy that I have them. So with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.